A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Southern Sports Today proudly presents the Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. When it comes to a few lucky fan bases, Chuck Oliver Show on a Wednesday. It's Wednesday, February 14th. What does that mean to you? Um, wherever you're listening to us, and we're on live. We do the show. I'll open the curtains. Wizard of Oz. We do the show live during the day. Um, so whenever you're listening to this, have you made that trip yet? I don't want you walking into a QT saying, uh, yeah, give me that Ram McNally. Um, I'll take that Orlando Magic hat. Um, oh, these flip-flops. I don't want that for you. All right, so whenever you're hearing this, it's February 14th. Do something. All new math. When it comes to a few lucky fan bases and all of us, that that is what is on my mind right now. When I say all new math, of three, I needed it to equal at least two. Previously, of three, I kind of needed it to equal at least two. There were exceptions, my goodness, but by and large. When it came to watching Pac-12 or Pac-10 football, there were many Saturdays, not everyone, many Saturdays, when... Two of Washington, Oregon, and USC, two of those needed to be playing in this game for me to go, uh, okay, I'm in. Normally, it took two of those. If it was one, all right, what's the story? It's the Apple Cup, and Leach hates them, and uh, maybe. Oh, wait a minute. I'm watching a different game now because commercial break, and I never went back, and I forgot that it was ever on. When it was just Oregon, I don't know, in an off year, the Civil War, it would maybe have my attention. USC, I, I got to be honest. <laughs> when it was Pete Carroll and Snoop Dogg and Reggie Bush, I couldn't get enough of it. They played a Fresno State game. In fact, anybody right now, if you're like a maybe a deep dive college football fan, but they had a game against Fresno State one Saturday night. And actually, where I live, Sunday morning. Um, might have been the signature game of the entire season. They it just they had a Saturday where UCLA tried to bow up on USC one year on like championship Saturday for everybody else, but the Pac-12 didn't have a championship game yet. Um, just it so there were rare occasions, but normally the math was of these three, I need two of them on the field together for me to really be, okay, I'm in at the expense of a game I care about. Other than that, 
When a Pac-12 game, I'll say, a game involving a Pac-12 team, only one of those three, not two of them. Other than that, it would be something like, y'all remember when Oregon went to CBUS a few years back without Kayon Thibodeau and won? Oregon at Ohio State, I was like, ooh, what a bonus. No, brah, that ain't how it is anymore. Oregon-Ohio State is an every-year sort of thing beginning this coming season right here. And to the point that it's not a one-off gift of a non-conference game that we looked at and went, wow, Oregon at Ohio State? Boy, we don't see that very often. To the point that it's not that game anymore. When Oregon and Ohio State play this year, October 12th, Three weeks later, Oregon plays at Michigan. Holy smokes. And when it's not specifically Oregon, Ohio State, or Oregon, Michigan, it's because it's Oregon, Penn State, or the Ducks at Camp Randall, et cetera. So go back to the beginning. I said, for the most part, almost always of these three, I needed two. There were exceptions. There were seasons when a team became an exception. Andrew Luck, I'm in. He was supposed to go to the draft, and then he didn't. And I was like, all right, Stanford, what do you got? The way they would play defense, I don't think Stanford back in the day, go watch them. I don't think they even practiced the prevent defense. When they had you down in the fourth quarter and it was time, well, we just got to throw every down, they were like, good, here we come. <laughs> um, They were a fun team in that window and so there were exceptions but they were exceptions that's not how this is any from the existing big 10 member view of things because that's from the new big 10 member view of things it's not just this one-off game that oh wow we should be so thankful i just gave you two games from oregon on this coming season schedule Oh, and by the way, they still play USC and Washington all the time. So you got that. But that's from a new Big Ten member view of things. What about from an existing Big Ten member view of things? Spun the wheel, landed on Maryland. Folks, go look at me. By the way, get your helmet schedule. Y'all know what the helmet schedule is? Nothing Nothing is a, a quicker, more accurate, able to get info reference point for me than a helmet schedule it is so easily identifiable the exact piece of information i'm after get you a helmet schedule if you will peruse maryland's helmet schedule versus what they've been playing they were already in the big 10 they already had all these things i'm talking about maryland adds like this season right here Maryland adds USC on campus in October, has a November 9th date in Alton versus the Ducks. It would be a rare two-game combo because you, you can't just add. You have to take games off. So that's great. You have those, but what about your traditional Big Ten rivalries? Well, Maryland doesn't really have a lot of those. Well, what about the marquee games? All right, Maryland has some of those. It would be the rare two-game combo you could remove from the turtle schedule 
that would make swapping in USC coming to your place. Was that Bird Stadium? It is Bird Stadium. I know that. And and Oregon. Think of the two games you would have to take off to make USC and Oregon coming on to make that a net loss. And we still get Oregon versus UW and Southern Cal. So when I say all new math, when it comes to a few lucky fan bases, it's Washington and Oregon and USC and Maryland. And Maryland was just the Big Ten example that I picked. And how about like all of us? I told you it was because it would be like Oregon and Washington. All right, I'm in. Oregon and Cal? Uh, all right, Marshawn Lynch, I like him, or A.A. Ron, or whoever. But we're starting to get to the exceptions now. Uh, there's a lot more exceptions. That's the whole takeaway here. When we say, and I've, I've said, realized, I don't know, several years ago, I realized we've been using the wrong word. We say conference expansion, <laughs> conference consolidation, man. We are weeding out who's not really important. When South Carolina, for instance, joined the SEC, do you know what they did? They looked at the rest of the independents and said, you're not as important as we are because now we're in that league and you're not. And that didn't dawn on everybody else in 1992 because it was still the – folks, go look at the golden age of independence. Um, South Carolina, they were the New England Patriots. Give them credit. The Pittsburgh Steelers always get out a year early on that contract. South Carolina got out of that independent world before it got blatantly obvious that being in the conference was where it's at, and then suddenly the get-in-the-conference deals weren't quite as attractive. Oh, wait a minute. What we have, membership, what we have, membership to offer, is the carrot here. Hmm, hang on. Did y'all just see, what was it, if Southern Methodist, my goodness, if Southern Methodist somehow goes to the playoffs, they don't get full playoff money. It's like $6 million. And they say, yeah, you don't get that. Why? Well, just because. Because you're really a G5 program in ACC clothing. Like, that's the age we live. This is consolidation. Arkansas, do you know what Arkansas told the rest of the Southwest Conference ahead of everybody realizing it was true? You're less important than me because now I'm in this place. And you may probation yourself into non-existence, by the way. So before that stink gets on everybody, we're leaving. But Texas A&M, what they tell everybody in the conference, what did they tell Austin? 2012, middle finger, we're more important than you. Now, they didn't cash in on that advantage past one November in Tuscaloosa a few months later. But that's what this is all about. This is not expansion. What do you mean it has to expand? They have more teams than they used to. No, the Big Ten has more teams. Pac-12 doesn't. Did you see the Pac-12? I'll give the guy from Washington State credit. He's um, whoever. He's basically the conference commissioner now. Is it Schultz? Um, I've got it. I apologize. I should bring it up. But um, the the person speaking for Washington State and Oregon State, he is being as transparent as possible. He says, 
we don't really have any strength, we don't really have any power, that you're still letting us have a vote is very kind. He said the only thing we can do right now is procedurally hold stuff up. He says that's the only thing. And so everybody kind of knew that, but nobody was saying it. So they're talking about playoff revenue for the final two years, and he's like, yeah, we're the Pac-12. We're a Power 5 conference. You owe us money. He says, now, clearly some of this is going to change. So I give them, they're having uh, all the cards on the table. And so we're about to get the confirmation, I think. I'm bringing Heath in. Heath, five plus seven, is that what we're about to get the confirmation of? Yeah, the question is uh, just exactly how we're going to get there for the next two years, but eventually we're getting there. Yeah, because there are no longer six conference. Oh, it's five highest-ranked conference champions. So they're, they're, we're going to have a vote, but the Pac-2 has a procedural thing, and they want to know about money. Well, good for them. Um, they didn't add teams. This is consolidation. And, by the way, Colorado and the Arizona schools and whoever – that as soon as they saw the writing, they went they lit out for the Big Twelve. Oregon and UCLA of all teams, they UCLA was able to look at Arizona State and say, "You're not as important as us." That's all this is. This is not expansion. This is consolidation. This is leaving behind the non-hackers. That is uh, this Hunger Games, man. And what do I get? Because I don't know. I live in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. How does any of this relate to me other than saying, oh, Rutgers is going to play Washington in a conference game. I'm going to point and laugh. Um, No, that's not how it relates to me. Like uh, Oregon, Ohio State, Oregon, Michigan, Maryland, Oregon, USC, Maryland. Like that's how it relates to me. We all win. A few fan bases. Yeah, those four fan bases joining the Big Ten, they win. Big 10 fan bases win. Well, Chuck, that's still not. No, all of us win too. That weird one-off like week two or three when the Ducks went to uh, Columbus, that's every Saturday now. Like a game like that is every single Saturday. So it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Good for all of us. All right, we will break, jump into it on this Valentine's Day next. the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Wednesday on Chuck Oliver Show. I made a concerted effort today. I said this will be about on field. This will be a show from DeLorean back to 2019 or pre. Uh, And that was the last time that it really was an everyday sort of thing. It was an off sort of story about so-and-so signed a new contract or got a buyout or something. For the most part, it was just on-field stuff. Oh, my gosh, that selfish kicker at UCF who wants money on his YouTube channel. Bad kicker. Bad kicker. Um, But beyond that, it was on-field. And so yesterday, I'm all about my on-field mindset. And I'm listening to Deshaun Foster talk about uh coaching his alma mater says my whole life i've hit the ground running he says this is about winning like right now and but they're not going to win this year uh but sean says it's about winning right now quote 
My whole life, I hit the ground running. Came in as a freshman, played big-time ball early. First carry in the NFL, 67 yards touchdown. That's what I do. I'm going to hit this ground running, going to get everything going. This team's going to win games. Someone asked him, what are you going to do first? He said his first two priorities, his words, start meeting with donors on Wednesday, that's today, while stressing that on the football side, we will become an attraction in a region not lacking for entertainment options. You're going to see the excitement. We're going to bring back the entertainment. This is him speaking, by the way. You're going to see the excitement. We're going to bring back the excitement. I assume a lot of that is winning. Um, Deshaun Foster got hired at his alma mater. He's never been a head coach before. Been a good coach. Been a good running backs coach. Went to the league for a second. Now he's back at UCLA. He's head coach in power five football, power four football, whatever it is. He just was asked, he says, I'm here to win. I love UCLA. All right, questions, first questions. How are you going to do it? He said, well, my first priority, beginning tomorrow, I'll try to increase donations. While also on the football side, trying to be way more TV attractive. Okay. That's, that's, and honestly, I think that's Deshaun sizing up the situation pretty well. The more I look at that great slate of 2024 games in the Big Ten, including the Bruins, the more I understand one Maka's recent decision, Chip Kelly. UCLA already was underwhelming, underachieving, like ignored in the neighborhood where it plays its games. And by the way, it's the nicest view in college football, maybe. Like, there were folks who, Heath, you've been to the Rose Bowl multiple times? Uh, One time. Okay. I've been to the stadium, but to the actual game one time. Okay. And so you go through kind of a neighborhood, right? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, literally uh, during the year, the month that they have, every month that the Rose Bowl is there, one of the big things they do there is the Pasadena Rose Bowl flea market. And I am not exaggerating yep. about this. There is a gigantic flea market that has there. And that whole area, like that's their big little shopping uh, thing that they do for uh, one weekend a month over there. Yeah, it's it's very much a neighborhood. And... and- the, your, so UCLA football, you know what you've been in your neighborhood the past few years? Kind of an annoyance. Oh, they've got a game. Ugh. Not, ooh, they got a game. I'm walking. No, 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 no. Oh, the Bruins are back. And the program now goes from a conference where, let's be honest, if you were a transfer QB and wanted a stage to shine that was way QB friendly, that was UCLA's conference. Come in, light them up, head to the league. From from that, Pac-12 to NFL light. I was of the mind that Chip knew they weren't so hot and bothered to have him around anymore. And that was true to a degree, by the way. They wanted to win more. But I think, honestly, I have changed my mind. Heath, I think the motivating factor to a far de- greater degree was Chip. My reputation and higher ability is already taken on water. Now it's about to get actually difficult each week. I think it was Chip assessing UCLA, not Chip assessing what UCLA thought of him. Eh, it's hard to say because, I mean, if you're Chip, the one thing is the buyout for Chip is $8 million. But that 
that athletic department is just bleeding left and right. And they, they've got big, big revenue issues. So they clearly didn't want to pay him the $8 million no. to go away. That's what I'm saying. There's I think also, was... though, going to be a chancellor change in the next six months. I, I, and, I, I, I'm sorry. I, th- I think it was Chip looking at UCLA's overall situation, something you're talking about as well, and going, this is about to get way, way more difficult for me, and it's already not great. I think he bailed. Oh, I don't think there's any question. I think he yeah. knows that the only choice – there was no success that was possible. It was just exactly how bad of a hair shirt am I going to have to wear for the next year until they say, okay, Chip, now you can go. Whenever yeah, was, the next guy comes in and says, okay, I am going to do something about football and try and fix this. But they got a mess, man. There's no doubt. Yeah, I, I had thought that on the pie graph it had been like 12%. Well, they're going to run me out anyway. I think it was 0% they were going to run me out anyway. I little, I thought it was a little sliver over there of, you know what, they don't like me here and I can't raise money and they bark at me about it. I thought I don't think it was any of that. I think Chip looked at UCLA and was like, I'm out, man. Yeah, I mean, we, an hour from now we'll check in with Greg Bergman and, and he can give you the L.A. perspective. Yeah. But my understanding of, of how things are out there is just that UCLA football just doesn't even register at nope. all. It's just not a thing that that anybody talks about in the day-to-day. I, I was actually out there, Chuck, right after he had gotten hired, and they were projecting a graphic of Chip Kelly on the side of a building downtown, and I, I almost drove off the road. I'm not kidding because I was like, wait, really? It's the first time I'd ever been in L.A. and seen anything about UCLA football. I was out there because I'm stupid. I go on vacation and wind up doing things like going to Pac-12 spring games. So I've been to Arizona State spring game on vacation. I've been sure, to USC yeah. spring game on vacation. We were in L.A. in April. I'm like, hey, let me see. Maybe the Bruins have a spring game going. Maybe I'll go to their spring game. And, Chuck, I mean, literally, I, I couldn't even find any mention in the paper of spring practice existing, much less a spring game or when it was or anything else. It, it was impossible to even find out. So, yeah, it's, it's that program out there is anesthetized. And I, maybe Foster can wake it up. We'll see. You know, like ignored literally in their own neighborhood. Um, and you see that it's not just in a pro town. Like BC one year was playing a season finale game for the ACC division championship. Boston, it literally was page seven of the Saturday morning paper. Um, and they're playing that day. Um, it's the, for different reasons, but it's the same sort of thing in Los Angeles. And while that may have appealed to you at one point, not quite as much anymore for Chip. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. 
football no matter where you go with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Download it now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. Chuck Oliver Show rolls along on this Wednesday. Nine states, 60 sticks. Dealing out a couple hours of college football conversation. Do that every single day. Been doing it since 2014, so thank you all for that blessing. Yesterday, talked about uh, our next guest, talked about his latest work. Uh, y'all know him from ESPN, senior writer Mark Schleybaugh. His way too early, updated top 25. want to welcome him on uh, back to the show. Mark, how you been, man? I've been good. How are you, Chuck? Oh, nothing but good. Uh, since uh, you debuted this, and I mentioned yesterday, I was like, we can always count on right after the national championship game. Mark Schleybaugh is going to give us a way too early, just a peek, just a, a, a vision of the next season. Well, after about a month when 75% of the playoff coaches willingly left their jobs, um, it, was, it was a momentous month. Um, tell me the biggest shift in your first through 25 from the original one a month ago to what you posted yesterday. Uh, I believe it was Washington went from number 11 to unranked. Yep. Um, I mean, just you look at the turnover there, and I think Jed Fish will do a good job there. I think he did really good work at Arizona. But when you look at everybody, Washington lost to the – the NFL draft from Michael Penix Jr. to the receivers, and then on top of that, the entire offensive line leaves, and DeBoer leaves, and Ryan Grubb leaves. I mean, it's just the roster turnover was incredible. And you had them as the just missed, so maybe they're out at 26, 27, et cetera. But what about Washington's experience is going to be typical and just broad brush across college football for programs that don't have the UW resources or the Big Ten money coming in? I still think University of Washington's experience the past month, that's going to be kind of a standard thing, isn't it? I hope not. Uh, you know, I, I think, it, you know, I, I do think it was a unique circumstance where. Nick Saban, the greatest coach of all time, stepped down, which caused, you know, a ridiculous number of dominoes to fall pretty fast. But, you know, I hope it doesn't get to the point where if a guy retires that basically three teams' rosters were completely blown up when you look at Alabama, Arizona, and Washington. And, you know, it's the way it is because free agencies basically open 12 months a year if, if your coach leaves. So, I think I think they've got to figure out how to get a handle on it. So that was the biggest variance from the first list. Um, I would go the other way, no variance at all. You had Georgia, the previous ranking was one. You still have Georgia at one. Um, if you want to go like bird's eye on this, you can, or you can go micro. What is Kirby doing right? Because he's bringing permanence, like more permanence at that program than since Coach Dooley was there in an era where permanence and consistency is the hardest thing to get. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, with everything going on around the sport that's so fluid and so chaotic, there just seems to be this real sense of, of calm and status quo at, at, at Georgia. I mean, they're going to lose guys like Brock Vandegrift who aren't going to get on the field. Um, and a guy like, you know, Pop Dumas Johnson, who looked like he was a little bit recruited over the transfer to Kentucky. But, you know, other than that, I just think just the fact they're winning, they're putting guys in the NFL – and recruiting at a high level, I, I just think guys are going to stay. You know, the grass can't be greener. You know, it's not going to stay that way forever. But for 
this moment in time, I, I think Athens is, is, is one of the places to be. We thought in 12, well, Texas A&M, they're ready for the SEC. We thought right after that, well, Missouri, look, they won the East twice. Um, I think Texas is better prepared than anybody who's entered this conference, like since they expanded going back to the 60s. Um, tell me what you think about Steve Sarkeesian and where he has that program poised and their ability to jump in and be as competitive as anybody. Yeah, I'll be honest. I had doubts. I had doubts going into last year. You know, it was kind of prove it, then I'll believe it. Um, but he got them to the playoff. They had a chance to win the, the semifinal game against Washington. Um, you know, I think he's done a really good job of building the trenches on both sides of the ball. They got to replace some of those guys this year. But, um, you know, he, he coached under Nick Saban for a while and, and kind of knows what it takes in the SEC. And, you know, they, they've done a really nice job with the portal, grabbing the Donnie Mitchell and some other guys last year. And this year they're bringing in um, Isaiah Bond from Alabama and Matthew Golden from Houston to shore up the receiver core. You know, Texas has got more money than anybody. They like mm-hmm. to spend it. Um, it's kind of been criminal the last two decades that one of those premier flagship institutions hasn't been in the playoff picture every year because there's absolutely no expense, no excuse with the, the amount of resources they have and, and, and the recruiting base they have. Uh, Tennessee, pointing north or northeast, or maybe they kind of flat? Where are they right now, do you think? You know, it's it's hard for me to to, to really get a gauge on it. Um, you know, I, I think Heifel's done a nice job there. I think they've fallen off a little bit from two years ago when they had Hooker and the two receivers and were really, really explosive. Um, you know, I like Nico from what the small size sample sample size we've seen. They got a bunch of receivers coming back, lost a couple of guys on the offensive line, but they'll get um I think they added the herd kid from LSU who everybody wanted. But I don't know. It just you know, they just got done with the NCAA investigation, paid an eight million dollar fine and now you've got the NIL deal with Nico, so we'll see where that goes. But I don't know if they're headed north or south. They just seem to be mad all the time. Wrap it up. Mark Schleybaugh, ESPN.com senior writer. Um, Let's jump to the ACC. And actually, this is the reason I brought up your article yesterday. I said, I caught myself. I should have been more taken aback when he had Clemson at 19. And I was like, no, he had Clemson at 19 a month ago. And it didn't surprise me then either. Um, I I don't want to ask just like this, you know, open-ended, oh, how far away. Um, Dabo thinks they're not far away. He thinks they're still Clemson. Um, where are they as a program right now? Because four losses in 19th in America, sure, I'm I'm good with that. Dabo doesn't believe it. No, I mean, I you know, he made a bold move a year ago going and getting Garrett Riley from TCU and getting rid of, of Streeter, you know, his guy. Um, he was, you know, Clemson fans thought he was he was too soft to do it, and he did it. I just, you know, look, people have talked about the portal transfer and, and Clemson and Dabo ad nauseum. He's not going to take guys. They tried to get some offensive linemen this year. They, they couldn't get them. I don't know if that was because he's just adamant he's not going to pay a bunch of money for a guy to come in that he didn't recruit and didn't develop and give them money and not give his guys money. But, um, you know, it's it's kind of it's like I wrote the first one. It's kind of glass half full, glass kinda half empty. You know, do you believe that Klubnik's going to be better in year two under Garrett Riley? Um, you know, he was a highly recruited kid out of Austin, Texas. Uh, you know, showed some signs last year. But 
they lose Shipley. They don't have a bunch of studs out on the perimeter at receiver. Um, but I think, you know, I think depending on what happens with Florida State, basically losing that entire roster after going undefeated in the, in the regular season and getting left out of the playoff, I, I think Clemson's got a shot to to move past Florida State if, if things fall right. So I don't think there's a dominant team in the ACC, but I, I think Florida State, Clemson, NC State, you know, any of those three could win the league. Maybe Louisville. Uh, Brom's done a hell of a job, too. Uh, he has, and the rare case of, like, we wanted something for a couple of decades, and then it was even better than we built it up to be. Uh, wrapping up, Schleyball again, ESPN.com. Miami Hurricanes, I want to ask you about them because, um, you know, every so often we have transformational X's and O's. You know, like Rich Rodriguez invents something. You know, that happened. That was real. Um, sometimes we have that. At the very least, just be competent. Do not hurt me. I think that coaching staff hurt them last year. And you fired Manny, who I think now Duke may have the better head coach in the conference. But give me what you think about Miami, because you have a little more confidence in them than I do. Well, I I start the update with against better judgment. Oh, well. Look, once you get outside the top six, seven, eight, it's kind of a crapshoot, right? Um, I mean, it's the ACC, what we just discussed. There's no dominant team. You've got a chance to get better. In a hurry, he's put together back-to-back top five, six recruiting classes. He had Cam Ward, added Cam Ward, the Washington State quarterback. Got the safety out of Washington Powell, who was a really good player. A couple of sleeper D linemen and Elijah Alston from Marshall. And Marley Cook from Middle Tennessee added a really good offensive line and defensive line group in this last recruiting class. But, you know, I, I wrote it. I mean, they keep making mistakes, and they're undisciplined. The coaching staff makes too many mistakes, especially against Georgia Tech. My goodness. Um, you know, Mario, you know, the track record as a head coach is what it is. He's got to prove it kind of like Sark did. Um, and, and maybe he doesn't, maybe, maybe he doesn't, maybe he doesn't. But, you know, we'll just have to see. Mark, I always appreciate the insight. It's great stuff. ESPN.com, go see the updated Top 25. Talk to you again soon, man. Thank you. Thanks, Chuck. All right, Chuck Oliver Show. We're going to take a quick break uh, as we move ahead. Yeah, like I said, he's got a little bit more, a little bit more, because he's got him ranked 24th. Um, and I was mentioning, like, Washington, he has the just missed out and has Washington listed second. So I would assume maybe he dropped him to 27. That was the biggest fall. Um Miami going from not ranked to 24 caught my eye just as much. I was like, I, that's, there is a rule. And we've talked about it on this show. Um, there is a, a, not a rule. There's now kind of an angle, like in a time when you need an angle. In the off season, when you are coming up, and I mentioned this for some reason, like, I don't know, well, actually it was before signing day. If you're trying to decide what you're going to feel about a program or that year's team going forward, like that season, Trust the coaches and the staffs that you know. All right? Look through college football, say, where are the where are the head coaches and the staffs that I trust? Where are they? Coral Gable's in one of those. Surprises me. Didn't yeah, FIU fired Mario back in the day. FIU had Mario as the head coach and they went to a bowl game. Not a great bowl, maybe the O'Brady's bowl. They went to a bowl game, and they had some success, but it was FIU, and they fired him. I was like, what are you doing firing him? 
He went to Oregon, had some success. Had success at Alabama as the O-line coach. I think he was the O-line coach or tight end something, whatever it was. He had success. And now he's where he is, which is supposed to be the end of the rainbow. Head coach at my school. There is supposed to be nothing better, especially if you personally bring the glory back. That's not happening. Uh, in fact, two seasons in and I think, yeah, losing record. Are they 12 and 13, I think, in his two years? I think it's 12 and 13. So, and he, Van Dyke out, bringing Cam Ward, not from Washington State, from the NFL draft, we'll bring in Cam Ward. Uh, we'll see how it flies this year. Well, it needs to fly a little bit better than six and six in the regular season and then head into a bowl. All right, we're going to um, take a quick break and come back more on this Wednesday next. College football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. We talk about the portal. We talk about facilities. We talk about all these other things that are taking up time. And we've got to make sure that we stay aggressive in the, in the forefront because we're going to end up with over $400 million invested in Kansas football here in, in the next 18 months and new stadium facilities and other opportunities, which will make us uh, really in a great position to compete in the Big 12. Supposed to point and mock. Lance Leopold, head coach of Kansas, talking about we got expectations here, and so this is what we're going to do. Expectations, hush up, you. Hmm? No, I really can't say that. Lance Leopold, after taking over for the just steaming pile that Les Miles left behind, did we realize that 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 was the transition? Unless. Remember, Les was never supposed to really be the coach. Les was supposed to be there. They screwed this thing up so many times. David Beatty, if you go all the way back, was this recruiting guru from Texas A&M, and they hired a guy. They were like, yeah, we're going to out-recruit Oklahoma now. We're going to go from the recruiting angle. I'm like, no, that's not how you're going to win. But they tried it, and then they didn't, and then they fired him, and I think they may still be arguing over not paying him. They're going to pay him. So the program said, all right, complete reset. Jeff Long, wasn't it? It was. (laughs) Jeff Long, who he pulled the impossible. And I'm going to tell you something that Jeff Long was able to do that is not. Chuck, is this possible? I'm going to say no. Did you see it happen? I did. He hires Les Miles. Again, Les Miles is not supposed to be the head coach. Les was supposed to come in and be the head coach and on name recognition get more exposure and players and just whatever. And then, like, once the roster was actually kind of built a little bit, then Les was going to be out and really retired. This was supposed to, all along, this was supposed to be like a three- or four-year thing. Three and nine, and then the nine-game COVID thing, and we found out how Les had been mentoring people in Baton Rouge, and Les had to get out of the program, so he's fired. Jeff Long, he's the AD that hired him. You didn't vet this? 
you're out. And think about that. The Kansas athletic director got himself fired over football. You didn't have to win. Like you didn't have to, you didn't have to do anything. If you would have just kept cruising along at three or four wins a year, they wouldn't have liked it. They may have told you, fire that guy you hired. Wouldn't have fired you. The Kansas AD got himself whacked over football. That's not possible. I saw it happen. Playpole shows up. Really awful situation to start. Boom. Next season, six and seven, nine and four. That gives them 15 wins over the past two seasons. Now, say what you will, Big 12, they they send teams to the playoffs. They won 15 games over the past two seasons. More than Wisconsin. More than Auburn. More than Florida. More than Miami. More than a lot of places. And he's got it going on. So... I don't know, Heath, when he talks about expectations and what we're going to do at Kansas, I'm supposed to, oh, hush, and that's a, what you're so precious. I can't do that. They've 15 games. They're in a big-time conference. They have a chance to be a playoff team. No, the reason I pulled that clip originally is because the $400 million part. I mean, yeah. Kansas is genuinely spending money on football. Remember this yeah. year, we, we had this story about a month ago that they're going to be playing a good chunk of their games in the Chiefs' place this year yep. because of the level of construction project they've got going on at that stadium. If you had told Kansas fans five years ago you're going to spend $40,000 on the football stadium, they would have said you were probably wasting your money. Uh, $400 million is what they're putting into it. I mean, it's – and with the Big 12 now being as wide open as it is – You should have expectations. There's, there's, there's no inherent reason as long as you keep the one dude who has shown he knows what he's doing there – there's no reason they can't be at least competitive. I'm not saying they're going to suddenly become some dominant force in the Big 12, but they could be good. I mean, why not? There's nothing inherently bad about Kansas. It's just they just never gotten it together. I looked a couple of things up, Chuck, because of you mentioning David Beatty. For the record, David Beatty now is on the staff at Florida Atlantic as wide receivers coach for Tom Herman. He got his 2.55 million as opposed to the 3 million that the school could have just paid him, but in the meantime, they got to spend more money on lawyers than the certainly 450k, and they also got themselves into some disclosures thanks to the uh, process of going towards a trial that led to some uncomfortable things coming out in the press. So yeah, Jeff, also Jeff, Jeff Long, Long, man, thing. that guy he rode that Bobby Petrino. I'm the man with integrity who fired Bobby Petrino horse. He rode that for a long time, Chuck. But in the end, man, that guy was not very good at his job. No, there was stink everywhere. It was really bad. And he was the, didn't he get to be the playoff chairman for a minute? Uh, he was the first one, like I say, for oh, playoff chair. Between between him and and firing Petrino and playoff chair, he was he was kind of the force of rectitude in college athletics there for a while, and then uh, it didn't end so well a few years later. Nope. Uh, we've mentioned this before, Chuck. The uh, LSU Amazon docu series, The Money Game, is going to be coming out. It's supposed to uh, follow LSU's athletes uh, both on and off the field for the uh, season particularly talking about NIL, because obviously LSU has several incredibly high-profile NIL people, uh, the Heisman Trophy winner in football, of course, but also Olivia Dunn, the famous gymnast, yep. and uh, Angel Reese, the uh, women's basketball player. So uh, now it turns out LSU itself is getting a million dollars for the docuseries. So they're not just – I think a lot of people thought, 
all right, well, this is going to be kind of a uh, chance for LSU maybe to get to have a little bit of a recruiting piece here where you could just say, hey, look at all these different stars from all these different sports living the life at LSU. But it's actually putting some money in the coffers there in Baton Rouge, which I think is interesting. Yeah, the raising money, the story about raising money is now an avenue to raise money for the school. Yeah, I wonder whether or not they're going to actually then uh, take that money and, and allocate it uh, towards that or not. That'd be kind of funny if, if it just becomes a self-perpetuating thing. But if you can make money off of documentaries about your athletes, then... It's about uh, hey, raising money. Yeah, maybe that's um, where students are going to go next. Uh, one thing I also thought that was interesting, Chuck, and, and maybe this uh, next guest we've got coming up in five minutes will talk about this. Alabama's football director of applied science is leaving. He's being hired by the Falcons as the associate director of strength and conditioning. Uh, director of applied science. That is another title I've never heard. How many titles, like you and I have both been following college football basically our whole lives. And there's like some things you hear for the first time. You're like, never heard that one before. So like Billy Napier with his special teams guy, he calls him a game changer consultant. We've heard a lot of these titles. I have never heard Football director of applied science. But anyway, yeah. Alabama's losing theirs. Yeah, this is um, in the age of director of sports performance. And I thought when I saw that, the first, that phrase, sports performance, I thought, oh, strength and conditioning. No, 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 no. This is putting the sensors all over people and measuring explosion. And it's not, it had nothing to do with bench press. Um, you're right. There is a, a litany of brand new titles around there. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Hey, sandwich lovers, today is your lucky day. There's a whole new way to roll for lunch or dinner delight with Nucky's Hoagies in the Roswell Corners Shopping Center. Now open, Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell is family owned and operated by the subsisters, Stacy and Shannon, whose love language is food and Nucky's Hoagies, their passion. When you bite into a Nucky's Hoagie, you'll taste the difference. The softest hoagie rolls ever, along with hunger-quenching sandwich combinations. Make Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell on Woodstock Road your new favorite spot for lunch or dinner. 